I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Oh boy. I think this is like the first rap song ever. Yeah. Feel that? That bass is deep. It's synthesized. <laughs> Don't ruin my moment, Sean. <laughs> hey, it's yours. So good, so good. Tell me it doesn't put you in a happy place. I mean, I mean, it does. It does. Absolutely. Welcome back to Geoholics, episode one sixty eight. One six eight. Here we are. Um, real quick, I got a quick safety reminder. Okay. Before we get into this, all right. I saw a story on the news. I think it was last week or maybe the week before. Um, six construction workers got killed in Baltimore. <clears throat> oh no. And this is just a reminder that you are never safe wherever you are because these guys were working behind barrier walls, you know, the Jersey walls or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And somehow a car clipped another car, went over the barrier wall and hit these six guys. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible story. And anybody who has been listening to the show for since the beginning, I'm sure I've shared the story many times, but I actually had a crew chief uh, fatally struck and killed mm-hmm. uh, by a distracted driver. So my point being, without going into a ton of details, is just be aware at all times. Keep your head on a swivel. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, prayers to the families of, of those guys. Yeah, that's Jeez, awful. Terrible story. All right, Sean, uh, something happier. What you got? Um, what is happier? Um uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in Phoenix, um, and in general, you know, opening day baseball, spring is popping out. Uh, the weather is awesome. Um, I mean, there is a lot of good things. Good things about life going on right now. The orange blossoms. Yeah, all the stuff is is happening. I yep. mean, I mean we talk about the weather around. a lot, but yeah, all the you know, you got the pollen and all the things, and everyone's allergies are going crazy. But for me, it's like you wake up and the weather's nice, and I I don't know, it's just that that coming out of we, we act like there's winter here, but know, right? it's still <laughs> the dark the dark times, and now it really is transitioning into that. Uh, that cool, you know, the next yes. month is awesome. Oh, Windows man. open day and night. I mean, just, I don't know, like be outside almost yep. as much as possible. Had dinner outside last night. It was a phenomenal evening. I mean, all the good things about uh, the weather and everything about life is just awesome right now. It's like a fresh start. It really is. It's you almost know, like kind of hit the reset button. Rejuvenation, you know, mm, like I uh, like that. I and like that. I think that's kind of part opening of the part day of spring. tomorrow. I mean, opening day baseball. I'm not even a huge baseball fan, but opening day is just like should be a okay, holiday. I think here we go. It should be a holiday. I don't. <laughs> I don't disagree. Well, let's take tomorrow off. Let's uh, just go watch opening day baseball all day. That's actually not a terrible idea. All right. Yeah. I'm on it. Well, let's let's move on. We got a we got a lot to oh, get yeah. to. Oh yeah, lot to get to. So I'm just. Uh, what else is happening in the world of Geoholics news and happenings? News and happenings. Oh gosh, um, we have a bunch of new swag on the way. Yeah, yeah. Pushed up. You pushed send on the order on. That, I didn't you? did. Yep. So we got some really right. cool stuff coming in. Um, kind of. I don't want to say sold out of everything. We gave everything out. Sure. During conference season, I guess, and uh, which is a really really good thing. But that's going to be. Um, 
I don't know, refreshed. We got a couple new items coming in that are really cool. And on that note, nice segue. Um, we do have a Patreon account. So we do. anybody would like to be a, uh, a patron of the Geoholics, really simple. Go to Patreon, look at or do a search for the Geoholics for as little as five bucks a month. You can get to there from our website as well, can't you? You can as well. There's a link there. Our re, uh, refreshed. Yeah, our, newly, our, our, yeah, newly, newly sexified yes. website. It looks yes. good. <laughs> it's like spring. <laughs> Spring on the website. It is a rejuvenated website. Absolutely. Uh, and Peter Cox, we got to give her credit. Absolutely. She's done a fantastic she job did. on that. She ha- she is amazing with all the things. She makes everything look better than we would ever do. She makes us all look better. Let's <laughs> really, face it. It really does. <laughs> all right, man. Tell us about the opening number. Oh, man. You, everybody knows these guys. The Bee Gees. Yes. Actually, this is my favorite Bee Gees song as well. Ooh. Jive Talkin'. Oh. oh, everybody knows Bee Gees were a British pop music group formed in 1958, consisting of the three brothers, Barry, Robin, and Maurice Gibb. The Bee Gees' music career started in the 1960s. In the late 1970s, they became synonymous with the disco music era. Thanks to their contributions to the soundtrack of the film Saturday Night Fever, they were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997. They have sold over 220 million records worldwide, making them one of the wow. best-selling mu- music artists of all time. Crazy. I say this every time. We do these spiels every week. Anything over 100 million is a big deal. Anything over 200 is in is in Mount Rushmore categories yeah, no of, of, of musicians. So. Yeah, yeah. So two things um, on that note. Uh, do you have, do you, you mentioned something about, you have a jive talking story? I have a jive talking story. <laughs> Got Absolutely. it. I am dying to, dying to hear it. So I am old enough, well, I should say this is going to age me, that when I was in grade school, keep in mind, jive talking came out in 1975. Um, I was in grade school, but I remember like in middle school-ish, one of our uh, activities, like in gym class, mm-hmm. was uh, disco dancing. Oh, is that like, uh, I grew up in the South, so that was like square dancing, but you guys had disco dancing in, <laughs> yes. in gym? Okay, got it. It's kind of like clogging, I suppose. Okay, sure. But, uh, and Jive Talking was like the song that stuck out to me during the disco dance uh, gym class. So you you learned how to disco dance by listening to uh, was part Jive of the, Talking? part of the curriculum oh, at John Jay Elementary. Made part of what you are today. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That explains so much. It, it oh, really, really does. <laughs> it does. I expose myself way too much on this show. Jeez. All right. Here we are in the Wisdom Wednesday studios this week. Uh-huh. Um, if you're not familiar with this, check out Wisdom Wednesday at wisdomwednesdays.xyz. It is a, a, a great place to catch up on your um, survey-related reading, I suppose. It's like a survey book club, uh, for lack of better words. And it's a Trent Keenan effort. And uh, again, if, if, uh, if you want to get dialed in and get in the weeds a little bit more on you know some survey-specific topics, this would be a really good place for you to check out. Mm, and absolutely. they meet every Wednesday, which is uh, pretty cool. All right. Time for the Airworks. What are we calling it now? We call it Random Trivia's. Well, it's, we strategic you, trivia. You're the guy that comes up with the names. I mean, it's the Airworks trivia portion of the show. It's Sean's time. Yes. Uh, I do like to hear myself talk, so here's a little bit of that. Uh, this week's trivia subject, uh, it's upcoming in about three days, and it's all about April Fool's Day. Uh, I, don't, I didn't realize how old April Fool's Day was, and there's a lot of different uh, interpretations here, but uh, some historians speculate April Fool's Day dates back to 1582, when France switched from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. 
and as called by the Council of Trent in 1563. In the Julian calendar, as in the Hindu calendar, the new year began with the spring equinox around April 1st. So people that were in the news and got the information knew that the first of the year was January 1st, not April 1st. So the people that still thought April 1st was the beginning of the year were the butt of jokes, and they were called April Fools. Oh, interesting. And then uh, the, the, as far as the pranks started, because the pranks were, one of the pranks they would do to the April Fools was having paper fish placed on their backs, and they referred to as Poisson d'Avril, or April Fish, said to symbolize a young, easily caught fish and a gullible person. Like a minnow. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, there's an also some speculation that it was tied to the vernal equinox, the first mm. day of spring in the northern hemisphere, when Mother Nature fooled people with changing, unpredictable weather. So much foolishness. I know, right? Uh, also, uh, in April Fool's Day really spread in Britain in the 18th century. In Scotland, the tradition became a two-day event, starting with the hunting the gulk, in which people were sent on phony errands. Uh, and followed the tally day, which involved pranks played Ooh. on people's derrieres, such as painting fake tails or kick me signs on them. That would not be acceptable oh, in the office place. Not at all. No. Uh, speaking of that, in the UK and other countries, the rule has been in place since the 1700s. And I didn't know this. April Fool's Day ceases at noon, after which time it is considered bad luck to play pranks. Anyone playing a prank after midday is considered the April Fool themselves. Oh, that is good to know. That's good information. Uh, and also, last bit, a little bit timely. Uh, the in 2016, the tradition of hoaxing and playing practical jokes on the first day of April fell victim to a Chinese government crackdown. <laughs> According to a China, China state news agency, the holiday is, quote, not consistent with our cultural tradition or socialist core values. You know what? So, they, <laughs> no April Fool's Day in China. Oh, I have so much I want to say yeah. right now. Uh, what, one more uh, that I, didn't, I, I read but didn't write down here. Uh, uh, there was a pause in 2020. Everybody kind of collectively agreed not to do April Fool's Day because it was like right in the height of COVID. Oh, so yeah. like Google and all the others, <laughs> you know, they decided, you know what? They put a been, hold on everything. It's been, a, it's been rough on everybody. Let's yeah. not throw some random <laughs> April Fool's Day out there. To, <laughs> oh my God, that is awesome. Uh, so anyway, that's your uh, April Fool's Day trivia nuggets. That was amazing. Well done. Well Thank done. You. All right. Time for the Advanced Geodetic Survey's Weekly Words of Wisdom. Here we go. Every day is a new opportunity. You can build on yesterday's success or put its failures behind and start over again. Right? Okay. That's the way life is with a new game every day. And that's the way baseball is. Bullet Bob Feller. Oh, Bob Feller. Yeah. Yep. I love that. You can. I mean, there's so many you know, parallels between baseball and life. Well, and if you look at it, there is a lot of quotes that came from baseball players. I know Yogi Berra had like a ton. Ton. Tons. Yeah. When I was looking for a quote, it was like, ugh, it was very difficult. But this one I thought was like very, uh, very uh, applicable for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning, a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a Geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. 
Safety is a critical concern for all geospatial professionals, especially for those who work in the field doing data collection. Surveying often involves working in hazardous environments such as construction sites, remote areas, and areas with rough terrain. Therefore, it is essential that surveyors and field data technicians alike take the necessary precautions to ensure their safety while on the job. There are three key things to consider about safety when doing field data collection. Terrain and environment, equipment and safety, and personal protection equipment or PPE. Let's look at those. Terrain environment. Surveyors must always be aware of the terrain they are working on and any potential hazards that may be present. This includes things like steep slopes, rocky terrain, bodies of water, and hazardous materials. How about equipment safety? Well, proper maintenance of equipment is crucial for ensuring the safety of land surveyors in the field. All equipment should be inspected regularly and any defects should be repaired immediately to prevent future accidents. And lastly, and perhaps the most important, PPE. The use of appropriate personal protection equipment such as hard hats, gloves, safety glasses, and high visibility vests is critical for surveyors in the field. These items can protect against hazards such as falling objects, sharp edges, and inclement, uh, inclemental weather. PPE is especially important because it serves as the first line of defense against potential hazards. Properly worn PPE can reduce the risk of injury and even save lives in some situations. People doing field data collection should always ensure that they have an appropriate PPE for the job uh, that they are performing. Now, for a bit of brevity about safety and geography to round out this POB segment. Why was the geography teacher always wearing a hard hat? Well, because they knew the dangers of falling maps. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. So here we go. Let's get on with our guests. We uh, we have Tim Nolan with us this evening. And this week's guest is sponsored by XYHT Magazine. Ooh, And nice. again, we haven't mentioned them in a while, but they are by far, in our... Um, in our opinion, the best geospatial publication out there. And oh, clearly. It's yes. free. It is yes. free, which is hard to believe. Um, very simple. Go to xyht.com, go to subscribe, and get your free uh, your free subscription. It's Absolutely. amazing. I mean, very, very timely. Everything about the magazine is, is top-notch. You're doing an amazing job. Um, we also have Dr. Nick with us as well. Oh, my God, Dr. Nick. I've left you out of this entire conversation. How are you, man? Man, I'm just flying under the radar. I kind of like it. I was, I, I was listening, uh, you know, some Bee Gees and, and getting to the inner psyche of Kent Grow's magical dancing abilities. And, you know, I uh, obviously got very distracted myself. Well, it happens when you overexpose yourself. <laughs> well, that's every episode. So that's yikes, every yikes. episode. No, I'm, I'm doing good. It's good to be back. Um, yeah, it's been a while. You mentioned uh, spring and everything. So you yeah. mentioned the uh, orange blossoms. Holy cow. Oh. Tim, Tim will know what I'm talking about, but we have blue bonnets out here right now. Yep. And I literally, I was coming home from Central Texas about two weeks ago, and I stopped on the side of the highway. I saw that and picture. And I got out and I picked flowers for my wife. I actually mm. think it might be illegal, so don't tell anyone. It is like, illegal, but I'm not telling anyone. Very, very so, yes. But wow, I don't really? think I've ever stopped and actually smelled the roses in my entire life. And it was pretty cool. So, wow. Nick, if I was to say something on that, if anybody deserves uh, an something done illegally to impress them, it's your wife. 
No question. Maybe this isn't the first thing. No question. No question. <laughs> and our guest is here this evening because of Nick. So a little bit about Tim, Tim Nolan, real quick. Born and raised in Long Island, New York. He grew up in Garland, Texas. Attended University of North Texas, where he earned an undergraduate degree in geography. Um, he, uh, he likes geocaching, of course geo nerd walking his dog and reading he is in the middle management of a fast growing county in texas where he manages the gis applications and records division he's also a faculty member at modus institute where he teaches the guided personal oh hope i get this right kanban course uh and he's passionate about visual management hmm we're gonna have to dig into this just a little bit mm -hmm. tim welcome to the geoholics thanks for being here Thank you so much for inviting me, Nick. And uh, and I really am a fan of the show. I'm glad to be part of this. And, uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to have a great time for sure. Um, so we, this is where we do the uh, the Trimble Pro Point Icebreaker. This is a, a one-word answer this evening. This is really good. So, Tim, we're going to start off with you. What is one word that best describes you? Happy. Happy. I'm always I'm always Love happy. it. Love it. Love it. That's a good one. How about you, Nick? Ooh. Intense. Intense. Hmm. You know what's funny? I don't get intense out of Nick. He's so I laid know, back. I know, but we only get the uh, after hours having a good time, Nick. I'm yeah. sure if we catch him during the middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we get. Well, the we've seen him at conferences and he's, you yeah. can tell he's like, no, yeah, yeah, he's on. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. hyper focused. I'm I want to see the hair down, Nick. I want to see what that Nick's like. Ooh, <laughs> We've never seen the hair down. Dirty Nick. <laughs> there we go. That's awesome. God, that yeah. is a good looking, good looking head of hair there. Oh, man. Nice, yeah. We got. I can uh, appreciate a good hair to hair. Little hair right, envy Sean. here. Yeah. Well, Sean definitely's got hair envy. Always. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Sean. How about you? Uh, this is a terrible question, but I'm going to go with uh, enthusiastic. Hmm. That's good. I like it. I like that. Not bad. Can live with it. Yeah. Shug. I could I could add to that, but in general, <laughs> I would say that's a good answer for sure. I know. I'm I I, I gotta flip it though. What what's the one word that, that comes to your mind when you think of me? You? <laughs> yes. Oh I will get to you in a second, but uh frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Fair uh, enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it, it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week, right? No doubt. No doubt. Sounds like uh, some lovers' quarrel. It, it definitely is. So, Sean, what 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 did you say about Kent then? Ooh, I, I can guarantee you it won't be the word that I have in mind. <laughs> um, I want to say absent, but that's a little that's a little absent. harsh. Uh, I'm gonna say going dark. Uh, I'm gonna say valuable. Oh, that's nice. Why, well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, yeah. That one hit me deep. I know. Oh, deep, um, deep in your cold, dead space of where your heart's supposed to be. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, what, about, what would you say, Kent, um, to describe yourself? Well, I, uh, resourceful. I'm going to say resourceful. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yep, yep, yep. Fair. Good stuff there. Okay, let's move on. Let's get to know Tim here just a little bit. So, Tim, um, how... How, when, why, how did you get interested in, uh, in geography and, uh, and, and GIS for that matter? Okay, so a little point of clarity. So I was born on Long Island. I was raised in Texas. I was four months old when we moved to Texas. My dad, you know, my family moved us down here. And I think that 
is when I started to become a geographer. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I, my dad worked for Braniff Airlines. We used to fly all over the country, kind of on a whim, and I'd always have the window seat, and I loved it. Hmm. And um, so from that point on, you know, my mom, as a, you know, an eight-year-old bought me an, a Graham McNally Atlas that awesome. I just ripped the boundary off because I would just tear through it. So I loved looking at maps, all that stuff from an early age. And I guess my quick story was uh, in high school, uh, we're required to talk to our advisor. Uh, and that's the only time I've ever met that person. You know, I just got in the like K through N line and everyone got in their own line to talk to this person. And they gave you life and, advice? Yeah, yeah. I had like <laughs> maybe five minutes. Right. And uh, <laughs> he goes, all right, Tim, so uh, what do you want to do with your life? You're about to graduate from high school. I'm like, you know. I want to be an astronaut. Mm. And he literally like leans back, looks at my folder, which apparently were my grades. And he's like, you know, why don't you go to business school? That might be a little bit more your speed. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of walked away with the tail between my legs. I'm like, mm. I can't, you know, like I wanted, you know, I love just this idea of space, this idea of like, you know, just spatial relationships. And, and finally uh, I, I, I got to college and I was, I thought I'd be a biologist, like a scientist, like a biologist somehow. And I took a geography class and it changed my life. I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to do. And then I told my dad and he's like, why would you want to be a geography student? You know, like, are you going to teach? You're going to, you know, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, this, 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 this speaks to me, this stuff. And the professor of all things, his name is uh, Dr. Andrew Schoolmaster. Like, oh, like he was born to be a professor. <laughs> he was fantastic. He kind of guided me. And I went to, uh, I graduated from the University of North Texas, which is in the Dallas area, like North, it's in Denton, just north of Dallas and Fort Worth. And I attended the very first GIS class that was ever taught at that university. And I got an A. I'm like, wait a minute, this is, this is, and then I like quickly called my dad, like, I think I found out what I'm going to do now. This, <laughs> I need to find a job doing this stuff. Yeah. And uh, so my first job was the plot boy at the city of Arlington. And my job, all I did was, so this is really age, maybe, you know, I don't know, Ken, I don't know if you go this far back, but we had a pen Probably. plotter. We had a pen <laughs> yes, plotter. Yes. And my job was to make sure that the ink didn't run out when you sent a print. You know, so when mm. you hit a print of like, in this, I worked for the city of Arlington, uh, which is between Dallas and Fort Worth. Yeah. When you did a whole map of Arlington, it would take like two hours. You know, those pins would just move around. It was kind of mesmerizing. But my job really was to make sure the black didn't run out. And the and the plotter wasn't smart enough to know to stop when the black ran out. It would just draw nothing if that were the case. And so I knew then I'm like, all right, day two, I started looking for another job. <laughs> and I and I landed the Collin County job in 1992. Wow. And 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 I so when I talked to my so in in, the, in that, usually GIS back then was in like engineering or planning or something like that. This was the first time I'd seen it. You know, well, I mean, I was fresh out of school and all that, but uh, that it was an IT. GIS has always been an IT for over 30 years in Collin County. And that seems to be a trend now, but it's back then it was kind of unique. And I remember my boss, you know, well, I guess when I applied for the job, it required five years experience, which I had none, right? I had four months experience as the plot boy. So I thought maybe, and I didn't say this out loud until five years um, that maybe he called the wrong person, you know, like two resumes were on there and he just called it. <laughs> you know, so he just sort of called me instead. 
And uh, so after five years, I, I finally went out there like, you know, I'm now finally qualified for the job you hired for me for, you know, five years ago. So, uh, but yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a, a joy. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, I uh, about two years in, uh, we started a internship program. And I meant, you know, I, I just want to, that's one of my greatest, you know, like, you know, not my great, but like the, my, the best experience I've had is to bring on students, uh, usually from various universities around uh, in the Dallas area, uh, to work for us. We paid them and uh, they've worked, you know, in 94 is when we started that program. Huh. And so Kent, Sean, uh, Dr. Nick, uh, right before the pandemic hit, we hired our first intern that was actually not born yet when the internship started. Oh, wow. I gave him like a certificate, like, you know, like, you know awesome. he, he was actually younger than the the program itself. So I've been around for a while, but, uh, but that's one of our, you know, our, our you know, please I tell think, me you have the intern uh, changing out ink cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> we barely even plot anymore. That's what's so funny about it. We got a brand new plotter because ours finally died and we barely use it now. So uh, we try to go digital as much as possible, but uh, no, you're right. Though for us though, I'm, I'm serious. The internship did whatever needed to be done. I wasn't, I didn't want to be that guy that said, Hey, here's intern work. And then there's other stuff. So we've had interns manage projects, write code, do intern work, right? We've had them like go out and out in the field and collect addresses, whatever needed to be done. You know, so some interns had a great experience. Others were like, Oh, great. I was, I was there during that time where we had to rectify all the center lines to the aerial image that we got. And that was oh, a yeah. beating. Well, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> it needed to be done. So that's what we did. So, uh, but that's kind of my, you know, yeah. quick, 30 years of uh, GIS history. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Now in your bio, you mentioned that you, um, you're passionate about visual management. How do you define visual management? Okay. So, you know, as you know, we're already kind of visual, you know, in our profession, right. What we do. So I think we're kind of, spatial thinkers or visual thinkers, but I stumbled across, I do a lot of like, I follow people on Twitter and every once in a while, there'll be like a, uh, a link that, you know, is kind of clickbait and I'm like, Oh, that sounds interesting. And, and, and the thing said, uh, the evils of multitasking. Uh, well, I thought multitasking was good, right? I thought, I mean, most, many people get hired to be a multitasker. So I click the link. It's a video. I watch it. It's basically a session. And they talk about how multitasking is impossible, right? Your brain can't do it. Hmm. You can really only do one thing at a time. And we can get into that if you want to. But uh, toward the end of her presentation, this is Sandy Mamali. She's a, a New Zealander. Uh, she's from that, you know, the you know, down under area. And she started describing this thing called personal Kanban. And personal Kanban only has like two rules, like, Visualize your work. Like if you see, you know, I've, I've been writing down notes already from our talk, right? So uh, visualize <laughs> what you're doing and then put it on a board that, that you can create flow from. So you have like options and then you've got doing and then you've got done is the simplest way to put it. And, and then limit your work in progress. And that is the hardest part. Like it's hard. Well, maybe, you know, I mean, if you work with engineers, you know, a, a, a true civic engineer, right, who builds highways will go, hey, as long as this highway is capable of putting every car, every inch, it can handle this much. But the experience is traffic and it's awful. You know, so so what you really want is light traffic using 
you know, flowing through. And that's so if you limit the amount of work you do to kind of create that perfect flow, and that's the game that I play really every day is how, where is my flow today? You know, where is the perfect amount of traffic? And you could do that in your work. And that's, uh, and so I was sold. And now that's how, I, you know, the, the, when I mentioned I was a faculty, when you mentioned I was a faculty member for Motus Institute, that's what they do. They are professionals at visual, visual management. I took a, their first course uh, for lean agile visual management. So I'm a, I guess a lean agile visual management professional. And for a little while, I was only one of five people on the planet. Now there's more, but, but uh, because I was in the first group that went through. So, and now I'm a, an evangelist. I, I, I sell this as often as I can. So it's not GIS per se, sure. but it's whatever job you do, whatever work you're doing, if you visualize it with those two rules, show your work and limit the amount of work that you do, you will experience flow and you will, you'll, you will have an incredible experience. You will feel like, as you get work done, it's just like, you know, likes on, on a, on your YouTube channel, right? It's just a dopamine hit. And then you get into this virtuous cycle where you want to keep doing more work because you want, you're kind of addicted to that feeling. So I don't mean to go too deep. Well, no, 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 no. Before that we, is what I'm into right now. Before we move on, I am absolutely intrigued by this. We're going to get into it a little bit later, but you brought it up now, which is perfectly fine. Um, so you mentioned that we're, I guess humans in general cannot multitask or maybe you meant multitask effectively, but it sounds yes. like this Kanban thing is really just, is it, is it more than just prioritizing? It's part of it, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of a, a, a fringe benefit of visualizing your work. So, you know, when you limit your work in progress, that's basically prioritizing. I'm only going to look at, let's just say you've got two things in your doing column. Now, that doesn't mean you're doing those two things at the exact same time. You're just doing, those are the two next things you probably have to get done. And it's a, you, what you do is you, the, where flow comes in is where you create a pool system. So you can't do any more work until one of those things are in, moved to done. Mm. So when you take one of those tasks, move it to done, now you have capacity where you can bring in something from your options column to then start working on again. Think of it like as a systems thinking where oh, yeah, a lot of people for sure. will make like a task list and you got 50 things deep. It's right. overwhelming. Yeah. You get stressed out writing it and you end up putting things on there that honestly don't need to be on there and you just want easy wins. Imagine taking like that list, prioritizing it down to a few things that come first and you've got, it's like almost playing a video game. You've got to finish these tasks before you can level up. Once you finish a task, it moves downstream and you can fill it in a little bit more. And you can see behind uh, Tim there, yeah. he's actually got it right there. That's, it's complicated. I mean, this is, this is you know, five years worth of it. So it, it, it can, you know, I, I recommend anyone getting started to keep it simple first. Mm. But the color represents uh, different tasks. You know, so I use color, I mm -hmm. use different boxes, but it's, it's visually, I'm visually managing my work, you know, and the, the other benefit you get out of it is you're, you're speaking Sean's language here. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. I see the engineer in his eyes, just like, oh my goodness, efficiency. Because I wrote it down, I don't have to remember it anymore. All I have to do is read it. It's out of my head. So, mm. so that is you know, like, think about it. I mean, when you have all of this work, you know, when you go to work tomorrow, you've got all kinds of things going on in your head. Uh, if you can kind of just 
sort of pull them out and, and visualize them in a, and then kind of organize it in a way that you want to do your work that day, then it's, it's clarity. I mean, it just creates clarity. And what I've been doing for the past five years now is just sharing this with anybody who will listen. Sure. I'm not selling you, right? It, it, it's only, it just caught it, the, 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 the investments, a Sharpie and a notepad. It's not, you know, I don't have anything to sell per se. It's just that this is a way to do your work. And if we all did more stuff like this, I guarantee mm. it will be, you'll be happier. That's why I'm so happy. That's why I said happy. I, 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 <laughs> I'm not stressed. My work, yeah. I see it in front of me. It's easy to do. Uh, when my boss comes in and says, do something, I'll write it down. Yep. And I'll put it back on my board and they'll know because I've built enough trust now that that work will eventually get done. I just have to ask the question, do you need it now or can it go into my options and I could flow it through the system? But it's pull. You got to be clear on this because if it's bosses that come to you, your customers that push work on you, that's where you get stressed. You know, if I had something that fell inside my doing like a, a an outage or something like that was in, you know, I'm in IT, right? So it's, something that you, you know, you can't wait, then that's going to break my whip, my break my work in progress. Hmm. And that's okay. Do the work, but then talk about it. Like, why did that break your whip? Like do a retrospective immediately. Don't, because hmm. if you don't talk about it right now, like if this is part of the, the team was working off this board, um, you got to talk about it. Like what, how can we keep this from happening next time? And you, you try to solve that problem immediately. So it's, uh, I, there's all kinds of benefits here, but yeah, one, one of the clear ones is you end up prioritizing your work just by using those columns and working your way through the system. But pull is much far better than push, you know, push is, you know, what we're kind of used to, like how, you know, yeah. traditional management has been trained. Pull is what you want to do because it's me. I get to decide when I have capacity to do the work mm -hmm. that's necessary. Kim, so, Kim, what do you think I'm going to ask about? What do you think that looks like? Oh, a Trello board. That looks like a Trello yeah. board. Yes, exactly. I think Trello literally uses the the concept on, in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, Bad Elf actually uses Trello, and our engineers use Kanban. I mean, they, they're about it. I think I just wanted to mention quickly, um, so scientifically speaking, back in the early 1920s, there was a professor at Berkeley. His name was E.C. Tolleman. He postulated and wrote a paper about the cognitive brains and rats and men, and he was able to prove that biological creatures use mapping for utility, finding their way through a maze to get to food mm. faster and faster to feed themselves. Uh, and so immediately at that point, we know innately we have to use mapping and spatial reasoning. Mm -hmm. There was another famous psychologist, he's still alive um, at uh, Harvard, his name's Howard Fisher, and he talks about the seven intelligences, and one of them are spatial intelligence. Uh, there's another guy out there, his name is Kevin Lynch. He wrote a lot about cognitive mapping, so you've seen mind maps. I, mm -hmm. It's similar in, in theory to Kanban where you know you map out concepts and it can be abstract. It's not necessarily a task list, but a brainstorming spatially. Um, and I, uh, I just want to throw one other thing here just cause it all fits, right? This makes so much sense. And it, uh, to me as a geospatial person, I heard last week and this, um, I think it was from Northwestern university, but for the first time in about a hundred years, the United States actually fared worse on the mm -hmm. average IQ scores, uh, and, and the three of the four areas, except the one area that, um, U.S. citizens are doing better or, or are uh, actually still improving. It's it's spatial. 
And they're actually having to say that we don't read things as much, we don't watch things as much, but we're doing a lot on our phones, mm. which is actually a spatial interface. So I say all of that just to echo and, and back you up, Tim, that I think if you struggle to be efficient, manage your time, I think something like a visual resource like that is huge. But um, so, hey, you, uh, Tim, you, uh, you mentioned earlier, so you worked Collin County for over 30 years. Let me just repeat that for everybody out there that he has been at one job for 30 years. That is amazing. So claps around yes, the table. Absolutely. Amazing. That is awesome. And just Something to be clear, I'm a, I'm a Gen, Gen Xer. I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> a proud Gen Xer. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's okay. I'm a geriatric millennial, so I don't even know what that means. I think it means I want to be a TikTok influencer, but yeah. I don't know how to do that. Me too. Um, right there with you, buddy. <laughs> Hey, Kent, real quick, let's talk about extreme aerial productions. Let's do that. Also known as EAP, they are passionate about capturing the perfect shot. Founded in 2014, Extreme Aerial Productions is a professional aerial drone, video, and photography company based right here in Scottsdale, Arizona. From the ground to the air, they capture it all from scanning to BIM, from topo to design. They've got you covered. Uh, yeah, they really do. They work in all 50 states are FAA approved for commercial drone operations and backed by the best aviation insurance money can buy. They have the highest grade drone equipment available, meaning their clients receive the most professional photography and videos. And I don't think I'm making this up, but if you book more than one flight, you'll actually get a date with the one and only Mark Taylor. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> to find out more, go to extremearialproductions.com. But uh, so I wanted to ask, I mean, you've been at the city for 30 years. I would assume that you like your job, right? Like you love you, my job. You keep going back. Talk to us about why your job is awesome. Well, because it's every day is a new, new adventure. You know, it, it's not the same thing. When I was the plot boy changing pins, I knew right then this, I can't just do this one thing. In any given day, you can walk in and there's, Sometimes there's a crisis that has to be solved. That's kind of fun once you solve it, right? I mean, you know, um, sometimes you have challenges that pop up that you think that you, your team could help solve. Um, sometimes you just make people's lives a little bit better. Uh, there's a guy named Jeff Patton who uh, is in the agile space, the agile development world, wrote a book. And it, it, the, it there's a sentence in there that I love. It's toward the, you know, chapter one, it's like, you can change the world. I'm like, okay, great. You know, everyone says that and goes, no, if you write a little something, if you do something that improves someone else's life, you've changed their world. I'm like, oh, I could do that. You know, that's, <laughs> that doesn't sound as daunting. You know, I could do that all day long. And so I'm kind of taking that, you know, to heart, you know, that every little thing that we do, you know, cause now I'm in, you know, my, you know, the story of me continues when I was, I was a GIS, first GIS person hired, but then I got elevated to this applications manager. So I have IT, I have the development team, I have GIS, and I have the records team. And records is for, you know, in county world is just a warehouse full of boxes. And I remember talking to my boss, like, why, why did you give me records? I'm the apps guy. He goes, because there's nothing... There's no more autom, you know, that is the area where automation could occur the most. Mm. And she was, she was absolutely right. 
our CIO, Karen Skipworth, she's like, you, you know, you need to turn those boxes into something usable. And we've done that. Like we've, we've integrated, uh, we have, I mean, the county stuff is not fun, especially in Texas. In Texas, county is the lowest run, right? It's criminal justice. You know, I, I, I kind of tease, you know, like it's, if the county comes calling, it's probably bad news for you, right? It's, you're going to get arrested. Uh, you know, you've got to pay taxes. At best, you get jury duty, right? That's the most exciting thing we offer. <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs> so how do you make that exciting, right? I mean, so so you just have to be the best or try to be the best. Just improve, not not, not be the best, but be better uh, at what it is that you are, right? And, you know, I can't be a cool city that has, like, where's the cool dog parks in my, within my walking distance? That doesn't matter, to, you know, like, but we like, so the one thing we came close to, you know, that I, that I'm very proud of is we did elections. Like that's the one thing that I think we can reach out to our citizens without imposing, right? Like without being like, oh my God, I can't believe the county's here. And we did early GIS work. We were one of the first people um, that did uh, like line waits. Like how long is the wait to vote? We did that in 2012, you know, uh, we did, uh, you know, quickest route and did a lot of cool analysis uh, that 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 blended now IT and uh, development, GIS, all of that kind of stuff, and it, that kind of thing is just always exciting. So there's always just a new adventure. You can always go a little bit deeper. You can find data that's out there. I my we had a consultant, an Esri consultant that came out early on, Jerry Clancy, fantastic, loved her. She. She was talking in 1993, and we still haven't done this, is, okay, so you've got you've got criminal data, like where people were arrested. You've got the incident, like where the crime took place. You know, why can't we decide, like, how far does someone have to go to commit a crime? Like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That, I mean, like, why not? You know, like, why can't we do that kind of analysis? And and no one's really thinking like that. I mean, after all this time, we still haven't done anything like that. But that seemed like that would be valuable. I was talking, I was at an event today, an IT event about the future of IT. And we were talking about data analytics. And somebody was going on about how, you know, certain companies use data analytics to, like, I know when it's time for Sean when he wants to buy a car, I need to send that ad right at the right moment. Mm. You know, so then it's like, that's what I need. Click, I'm buying a car online. You know, I kind of turned it around. I'm like, how do we keep people from, you know, we have all this, again, criminal data. How can we keep people from going back to jail? Like, we mm. know why they're in jail. We know what happened. But how do you keep that from happening? That that just popped up today in a conversation. So I can't wait to go back to work and start <clears throat> Working on that. So that's the kind of stuff. It's like the start of minority just, report. It's like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Data says when you travel. I want you to stop coming to jail. I don't want to send you to jail. I want to <laughs> you know, keep you from going back to jail. Yeah. But, but that's the data we have. Hmm. And so why not do something with it, right? Do something valuable with it. You know, hmm. you know, when I, when I, the reason I stayed at Collin County for 30 years, is because I have a sense of purpose every day I go to work. I know I'm working for the citizens. I know the work that we do matters. And yeah, we don't make money. I don't make money, right? I mean, but it's but it's that doesn't money isn't everything, right? It's it's the you know, what can we do today? 
Like, what is the, what's the next big thing? And I just want to be there for it. So that's why I hang around. And every, and every year there always seems to be some new big thing. I, first off, you make me feel bad about myself. So (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. No, but, no, no, no. We, we need, we need y'all. We hire y'all to help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Altruistic over here. No, you know, I, on a joking side, you know what it reminds me of? I, I love this show. My wife and I watch it quite a bit. Uh, we've worn it out, but it's the parks and recreation mm, parks and mm-hmm. rec show with Leslie. Nope. Oh yeah. And you talk yeah. like Leslie. She's so exactly. happy and bubbly. And this is like, right. I'm at the government and I'm here to help, you know? Um, exactly. And, and Kent's you know. Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kent's going to, Kent's going to give this, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Kent's going to give this Kanban stuff a, a, a try because Tim's got like the best energy ever. That's awesome. If that's, if that's what it results in, I'm, I'm in, come in. Hey Kent, before we go any further, tell me about Topo Dot. Well, before we get to that, let me mention that TopoDot has been a loyal contributor to the Geoholics since day one. And as a surveyor, you know the importance of maintaining quality control through your process. Uh, I just found out recently there is actually more than 6,000 users all over the world that trust TopoDot software to accurately extract topographic features from point clouds. Man, that's really cool. Like, uh, how can I find out more information? Well, first of all, I think all of our listeners should give them a call to get a demo on one of their very own projects and be ready to be blown away by their automatic modeling tools. Do they have a website? They do. For more information, simply go to topodot.com. You work with a lot of different people. You've got interns, you've got database people, you've got applications people, records people. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you get to interact with all these different individuals working for the county. Well, all right, so I'll, I'll tell you a quick quick story. So the, I, we have a lot of elected officials here, and we had the DA, elected official, call me up and go, hey, Tim, I want a dashboard. This is perfect. We have like on high, the elected official wants us to do something that we think we could deliver. Let's set up a meeting. We all roll out. I bring some of my team with me. I want them to hear it. You know, they he brings his team, and I'll cry, all right, what are we going to do? What's the dashboard? He's like, I don't know. I thought you were going to tell me. I'm like, it's your data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, what do you want? You know, like, well, the sheriff had this really cool dashboard in court, and I want something like that. I'm like, hmm. well, what was that? You know, like, you sort of have to just peel it back and kind of go deep. So to answer your question, Dr. Dick, is – you have to go to them, right? You have to go to these departments and go to these folks. They're not going to come to you. They don't know what you're capable of doing. You have to go sell a solution. Like you can't say GIS. You can't say maps. You can't even say dashboards. You can't mm. say, just go, what, what is your vision and what is in your way? Like what's keeping you from meeting that vision? And then start to kind of figure out the solution. And it might be a GIS solution. It might be a map, it might be data, it might be a dashboard, it might be analysis. It could be anything, but you have to, you got to pry it out of them. I mean, it's not obvious sometimes. And so the easiest way for me to work through some of those is like, well, what do you have to report to the state? What are your requirements? And maybe we can visualize that. And that's kind of been a start. But yeah, that's... (laughs) This journey is just getting started. You know, it's so, just, you know. I, I'm just taking up all the time now. Uh, but <laughs> it, it just reminds me, we were talking at a mappy hour a couple couple months ago <laughs> up in hour, Dallas. And you were telling me about the COVID dashboards that you had right. created. 
And I think you've got some unique stories and experiences <laughs> with with that um, that you know that thing that shut down April Fools. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> Five centuries thing. of, <laughs> of <laughs> tradition. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll make it quick because nobody wants to talk about COVID anymore. But uh, the um, we when COVID hit, it hit all of us, and no one knew how to deal with it. So our uh, our health department, so the counties were the ones that were having to deal with this. They were getting faxes of positive tests, and then somebody was typing it into a database or into a spreadsheet, and quickly that spreadsheet got overwhelmed. You can't have multiple people, so we're like, hey. We at least put us into a database. So we ended up as a team writing like a COVID management system with contact tracing and all that stuff on the fly. When you get, when you do something like that, I mean, adrenaline's high, you just focus, right? You're hyper-focused to kind of get this thing done. Eventually we put together a dashboard that kind of showed, uh, showed like which, and we broke it down by city, which was kind of unique. So all the data we were getting was was county, calling county data. But we, you know, because we, we have GIS and we have the tools, we geocoded all those cases and determined which cities they were. So now each individual city, we have 27 cities in our county, now know how many cases that they had. Uh, just a quick side note. So if you remember the, uh, the John Hopkins dashboard, they had those big giant dots. Oh, yeah. So I used the big dots. So Plano is our largest city, about 300,000 people. And it just had a big dot in the middle of it. Well, I get a call from one of the commissioners like, hey, can you can you move that dot? I'm like, what do you mean? It's just like the centroid of the polygon that is the city of Plano. Because mm. I got a I got a constituent that says it's right on top of his house and he does not like it. <laughs> like, so I never thought about that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we ended up, you know, I, I ended up making it, you know, a more of a, a you know, a thematic map in Plano. Yeah, exactly. That show I made a thematic map that showed the different, you know, shades of for the the entire city, but you know those are little things that you don't even think about. But this, you know, I hope this doesn't get me into trouble. But uh, at some point, and this is all public record. Our commissioner's court decided that they did not trust the numbers. Right? It, it be, the COVID numbers became kind of political. I don't want to go too deep into all that stuff. But I was doing it for the purpose, right? I told you that I love coming to my job. I feel like I have a purpose. I felt like we were doing good, right? We were. People were using it. I mean, the numbers showed it. We were we were doing map services where the cities would make their own dashboards. I mean, we were making this available as best we could to everybody. And they wanted, they being our uh, elected officials said, hey, I need you to put something in red that says that the commissioner's court does not trust these numbers. And I was so offended by that because I don't know the numbers, right? I'm just displaying the numbers as we get, because we at that point, we're getting the data from the state and the, our county and the state had an issue. So this is a lesson. I decided to, so uh, the, our dashboard had a, uh, a map as kind of the center bit. And what I did was I created a tab and I put the message that the, you know, it was like two or three sentences in giant red, it covered like the first thing when you launched it, all you saw was red with this message. And then you had to tab to see the map if you wanted to. In my mind, I'm like, oh, this will show, right? This will show you like, they'll have to change it back. And, you know, <laughs> no, no right? this, this backfired. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like a, 
they loved it. Right? Yeah, exactly they, what they I was gained, looking for. <laughs> they, they gained notoriety. It, it was like national news. I think yeah. I even saw like my dad, like my red bit on the dashboard is like on, you know, like on, in, in the New York Times. I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Yeah, like, what have I done? Wow. And it just became like they loved it. And it just lit. And finally, we just kind of stopped doing dashboard stuff and we just started yeah. doing hospitalizations. But I hope that was a story you wanted to hear, Nick. I, <laughs> That may you don't. I may don't not run work. A, I may not be there for thirty-one years if anyone hears that story. Right? Oh no, no, no. I mean, we we appreciate what y'all were doing. I mean, yeah. everybody that was going through it was looking at those boards, looking for guidance, and uh, it's a unique story. So, so here is what we learned from this. So, our healthcare didn't quite trust us. We had to build the trust to build all this in an emergency. Like we don't have time to really talk it over. You're just going to have to believe that this is the way we're going to do it. When it came down to vaccination time, and we didn't have the vaccines yet, but we created a vaccine wait list, <laughs> and it got 275,000 people on it. I mean, that wow. to me was, that's when I was able to, you know, think, okay, forget about that dashboard. And, you know, like this is, these mm. are people that want their government to deliver. And we put something up there. And then what, what happened from that? And we did that in four days. I mean, we built that. We built it. We made mistakes. We're having to fix on the fly and all that. But we built that thing. We had two hundred. I mean, we have a million people. So almost a you know, almost a quarter of the people signed up. You know, and they may may or may not have been in college anyway. But there, there was a lot of names, tons of it. And when the when the cities and the partners and the hospitals all got vaccines, we gave them our our wait list. From the top, you know, here's 3,000 names to Frisco. Here's another 5,000 names to McKinney and worked our way down wow. until that list was gone. And That's I thought cool. that, that, that was the most, I even talked to our healthcare folks recently, probably the most rewarding project I'd ever worked on. And we never got any feedback, like negative feedback from healthcare because we were trusted, like, do it. We know you can do it, do it. Where before it took a while, mm. you know, but now... You know, so it, it was in such a short period of time that we had to build trust and then we showed trust, mm. you know, literally within 10 months of each other. Yeah, that's a great example. And I mean, Nick and, and Tim, you guys tell me, I mean, it, one of the good things that came out of COVID was, uh, you know, it really put GIS applications on the map for no pun intended. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it really did. Was it the best thing that ever happened to GIS applications? I'm about the best. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it, it, did, it, did, it did create an awareness. And for people like me that have a hard time explaining what I do, it was like another thing. I'm like, yep. instead of saying, hey, it's like a Google map on steroids, or I've heard people say like, you know, you've seen that dashboard? <laughs> we do that stuff. That's, that's Those are the things we do. Too. Yep. So it gave yep. us another little angle to work with. Yeah, I no, think I know what you're going with, Kim. Yeah, that's really good stuff <laughs> for sure. Um, so on your on your LinkedIn profile, because I stalked you, of course, a mm -hmm. couple of the things that come to mind or that stuck out to me were you uh, consider yourself a, a knowledge worker, creator of change, yep. and earthling. Yeah. Okay. So that's true. We're all earth. You are too. Right? We're all earthlings. But, uh, <laughs> Fact. Fact. Indisputable. Yeah, as much as Sean wants to I argue that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I so... Part of that was a little tongue in cheek that too many people take their LinkedIn stuff too seriously. And I guess I'm sort of set, right? I, I don't think I'm going to get, you know, I'm comfortable in my job and positions. I'm able to have a little bit of fun with it. But the knowledge worker part comes from the, the Kanban background. I mean, we all are knowledge workers, right? We don't work in manufacturing. We're not, you know, we're not on an assembly line 
We have to use our brains to do our job. And, and so often, you know, with the way, in, in, you know, for a hundred years, the way management has been this sort of top down, you listen to me, you do the work is based on manufacturing. It's not based on knowledge. It's assumed that at the lowest rung, you don't know what you're doing. So you have to have a manager tell you what to do. And then somebody's decided, well, those managers don't know what they're doing. So they got to have a manager tell those managers what to do. And you get this crazy hierarchy of sort of pain and despair. You know, knowledge workers is all of us know, like, you need to trust us because we're trained. We've gone to, you know, we know what we're doing. And I do extra, I do a lot of workshops and I do exercises. Uh, one exercise we do is called 60 paces. And it starts off where you face a partner and you tell that partner what to do. Step back, step left, step right, step forward. And you also have to count how many steps that they do. <laughs> and it's loud and nobody ever gets to 60. And then you go, you know what? No management. Everybody, you're on your own. Just walk around. See if you can get to 60 paces. See if you can get past it. How many can you get? And what happens is this beautiful, almost like, like a beehive kind of thing. Everyone's quiet. Everyone's counting. And everybody gets over a thousand steps. And, and I'm, I'm talking, I do this in 45 seconds. So it's just amazing to see the difference. And I try to say that is that, you know, sometimes man, I'm, I'm not anti, I'm middle management. I mean, I'm like, you know, the epitome of a manager, but you know, you've got to trust the people to do their own job. You know, like you hire them to be smart and use their brains. And I try to live that every day. Empowerment. And that's, that's what I mean by knowledge worker. You know, you know more than I do. I used to think I knew a lot of stuff and then I realized yeah. I don't know anything. Y'all know everything. What you if know? you, uh, what if you've exhausted all the smart people and all you have left is to hire the dumb ones? Well, Got any advice it, for that? <laughs> I hope we never get to that point. Well, Hey, just put, put a Kanban board together and, uh, and they oh, can, yeah, they yeah, can there work, you go. That's when we start just, feeding plants. Just go look. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Everybody contributes. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I got a quick question, and it's kind of off the off the topic a little bit, but I think I've got two experts here that can answer it. It's always bugged me. How come in Texas, one half of the state has counties that are really odd shaped, and then the other half has got nice square counties? Is there like a reason like they started like making counties in different random, and then all of a sudden they said, "Hey, let's make them like boxes." You know what I think it was? What's I think that? it was Democrat surveyors and Republican surveyors. Oh, that's that's what it is right there. <laughs> or like maybe they, they started and then they figured out how to survey like halfway through the state. There's got to be a story there, Oklahoma. right? Yeah. Well, Dr. Dick, I, I've got an answer, but if you want to hit, you want to tackle it first. Uh, yeah, I'll no, just, go for it. No, you're the guest. <laughs> so uh, y'all heard of Six Flags? Y'all have Six Flags and yeah. around all of you know, Yeah. So Six Flags, what it means here in Texas, Six Flags under Texas means that they there's been six there's been six nations mm. that have you know like kind of ruled over Texas. So Spanish land grants are different than the way French did it, and it's different than the way the Republic of Texas did it. It's different than the way the Confederacy did it. You know, so so if you notice, East Texas is kind of the mature area, like the people have lived there the longest, and that's that's it's chaos. And as oh. you go west. That was more like railroad commission and they kind of did township and range kind of stuff as you go west out there. I always tell folks, you know, you're in Texas if you're flying south 
like because Oklahoma looks beautiful, like all nice square, right? river, yeah. nice and tidy. And as soon as you cross the Red River, it is chaos down there. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you just hit your Texas and it's nuts. I was talking to someone from the Railroad Commission trying to get like parcel data early on, way back when. And they were going through old uh, 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 meets and bounds documents, trying to map out. And li- this is a real measurement. Two cigarettes on the north bank of the Guadalupe River. Oh. <laughs> Two cigarettes. That's that cool. cool. Those weren't no hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> got a big one, a little one. How do you, uh, Definitely no filter, though. Definitely no filter. <laughs> awesome. Ken, I thought you'd appreciate this. I know for the people out there listening, you can't see it, but this is a book called The Pioneer Surveyor, hmm. Willis Day Twitchell, and he surveyed most of Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, not most, but a whole ton of it. But it was just like Tim mentioned. Um, it was a lot of it on the back of railroads. And so they would, uh, people would go, they build the rail line West. And then basically if you built a well and some other things, they would give you like your section and it would build out and mm. you, and I don't, there's a ton of counties in Texas, um, as that kind of built out, but yeah, Willis State Twitchell. So that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Texas was his land. Very that, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, she got Sean. That was a good question. Uh, you yeah, know, every once else, in a while, and every once in a while, one gets to me. But uh. I just thought about something when you mentioned that Arlington, Texas, is that where King of the Hill is supposed to be taking place? No, King of the Hill. So I, I, I know a little backstory here too. I don't know this personally, but uh, Mike <laughs> Judge grew up in Richardson, Texas. Oh, so that's more toward uh, yeah. Dallas and Garland, which where I live right now, where I grew up, is Arlen. Because Garland and Richardson yeah. had a thing, and because he was Richardson, he made made Arlen Garland. So ah. It's not Arlington; it's Garland that he's mocking. <laughs> That's my, awesome. My town. That. He's he's mocking my town. You never sorry, know what you're going to learn. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sore subject there, up. Nick. <laughs> Way to go. Anyways, <laughs> so um, we've talked a bit again uh, interns and people you get to work with. A uh, couple things on GIS and kind of its future and people. What would you say the top five skills would be for someone coming up in their GIS career? Okay. I would say tackle as best you can data analytics. I think that is a, it, it's it's kind of the new GIS, right? So when GIS came out back in the 90s and, you know, aughts, you know, it was kind of new and sexy and everybody wanted to see it. I think data analytics has, has replaced that. In fact, i I think it's my generation, right? I didn't do a good enough job selling what GIS was capable of. And so now people want to hire a data scientist. I'm like, wait, we've been doing that all this time. You know, we, we've been doing these things, but yet we haven't sold it enough where they know, oh, you're just the map guy in the basement. You're not this cool new, you know, dashboard thing where I can get a pie chart. You know, I'm like, pie chart? I mean, you, <laughs> I got a map. I got analysis. I got all this cool stuff. And people, you know, you have to realize that that this is, a, I think, a new direction. So um, I do a Twitter space. We, I, I'm part of a Twitter space group called Geospatial Connections. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and Bonnie and Juliana and, and uh, Bruce, Bruce is part of this too. We do it every Wednesday at noon, Central Time. And Bonnie is a, is, a, is a data scientist who discovered the geo column and all of that data that she's had. She's like, why are we not using this? So she's actually now written three books or she's written two and writing her third book on the basically the, the spatial column that people keep ignoring in data science. So I think there's an opportunity here to blend those two 
And I'm, I'm real strong about that. Now, of course, you might want to learn programming and Python and all that kind of stuff. I, in my opinion, if you're a spatial thinker, if, you're, if you've got this sort of, you know, geo on the mind, then you can train someone how to write code. I don't think you could do it the other way around. I don't think you could take a programmer and make them a spatial thinker. So, but you can make them a data scientist because that's kind of what they are already, you know, that's what they are already doing now. So, can uh, can chat I, I high horse that? Can Chat GPT <laughs> write that code? I don't know. We'll have to see. So what I <laughs> oh, fear man. about Chat GPT, and this is what Bonnie says in our talks, is uh, those uh, uh, generative uh, AI out there. They are just scraping the internet, and there's some garbage out there. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Yeah. You know, some of it's beautiful and fantastic, but some of it's not. And uh, you got to be, you know, just got to be wary that this, you know, it is what's out there. Yeah. You know, garbage so, in, garbage out. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. If I can plug another podcast that's on Spotify, yeah. the same platform as we are on the Geoholics. Yeah. But he's somebody I really like listening to. His name is Lex Fridman. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a Russian Ukrainian guy. He's a, um, he, he does, he's a PhD at Drexel, or he went to Drexel. He's at MIT now. He lives in Austin, but on Saturday he interviewed Sam Altman. Sam Altman is, uh, open AI, the company that makes chat GPT CEO. It's like three hours long. So get in, get a, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever you got to do to get through that many hours of really intellectual deep conversation on the future of AI. So worth it. This guy, uh, Altman, he's just, again, next level Mm. intelligence. And Lex is such a kind, like generous, loving type, but he has that mindset of, you know, he's an AI programmer. Um, if you all want to learn a lot about chat GPT and, and like he talks about the iterations and really gets into how, and, and what's really scary, he calls this thing, the model, like, like the model, like Be-box. it's the machine. It's wow. the Borg. I don't, I don't, it's just <laughs> the model that's making this, you know, so check yeah. it out. That's my quick plug. It's, it's crazy, weird and exciting all at the same time. Yeah. No, that's good stuff for sure. So, Tim, you mentioned the, uh, I think you mentioned something about a geospatial column. Um, yeah. What, where yeah. does that fit into the the Kanban model? Oh, well, I mean, uh, oh. no, so yeah, it's not, a, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a data, it's that in your, you know, it's it's the geospatial bit in your, uh, in your data. Yeah. And then the way it gets on your Kanban when you finally figure out where it is and what you, what you want to do with it, then mm. you put it on your board. Love it. Good answer. Um so based on what Nick just said, what are, what are things that concern you or excite you uh, as it pertains to GIS over the next five, even 10 years? Well, like I mentioned before, I think if we don't start owning data science, you know, analytics, things like that, someone else will, mm. and we'll be relegated to the basement of printing maps, right? I think that this is our moment, you know, if we don't do it now. And I think with, you know, generative AI and other, you know, if we can somehow, you know, take advantage of this emergent technology that's coming out here, we've done it before. You know, when, you know, when I got into GIS, it felt new, right? It was new to me because I was right out of school, but it be not a lot of people were using it 30 years ago but let's not rest on our laurels, right? I mean, let's take the energy we had back then when it became available and what else can we do with it? And I think 
part of it is we, you know, many of us just use one product, you know, where we need to kind of open our mind a little bit and find out what else is out there. Don't let a company drive, you know, what you do, you know, let, you need to be, right. Be the, be the knowledge worker that you are and, and, and test and, and, and make, nope, just make it do things that it's not supposed to, right. See what, you know, what, what you can do with it. So in five years, I think that there's going to be a blend, I hope, of data science and GIS where it may be called something different, mm. uh, but it, it will be the same. It should be the same. So what, uh, and speaking on that, um, you know, 30 years in the county, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and since, I mean, you obviously love and are passionate about what you do, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, uh, in the time you are still going to work for whatever, I don't know what your retirement plan is, none of the 30 years or whatever, but, what do you want to get done in the next 30 years? <laughs> uh, well, all right. So it's the visual management stuff. What I personally am doing is I'm not a good coder. Right? I've long, that's long since, you know, I, I made the decision to go into management, right? I've, so my job became hiring smart people, smarter people than me uh, to do the real, the, you know, the real work that needs to be done. What I want to do in the next five years to 30 years is to show techniques that how do you, you know, you know what you're doing. Now, how can we create a model, a, you know, a space, a board that allows you to really excel at the work that you're doing? Mm. You know, the things that you're really passionate about, visualize it, show it and do it. You know, too often it's in our head. We might do this later. We forget about it. Any idea, put it out there. And I think that that's, I, I, what I would love to see, and I'll just share it here, is I think that I would love GIS to own visual management, right? I would love the GIS community to be so attuned with the stuff that's behind me that that's, and then that, that they could share this as another arm of what we do. Like, this is how to be effective at work. You know what? The GIS people know how to do it. Hell yeah. You know, this, and, you know, show it. So that's, that's me, right? That's my little, that's my mission. Uh, and right now I'm an army of one, but, uh, you know, you guys, come on, we're all, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's my, that's my personal, uh, goal is to, to sell and share like that, that one bit, that little video that sparked interest in me. I want to be able to do the same. I want this podcast to be that thing that sparks it in others. Man, I I don't know about you, Check but that box. I mean, I feel pretty honored just to be, you know, one of the four boxes and what might be uh, making that happen. So that's really cool. Uh, we always ask this too. Um, do you have a mantra that you live by? <laughs> Probably roll it, rattle off a few of them, but I think my mantra that has been in the last five years is let's try it, right? Do the experiment. Don't, you know, don't overthink it, right? If you, if you have an idea, go with it and just don't linger. You know, it doesn't have, don't get sunk cost. Just do the experiment, see if it works, move on to the next thing. And so I would think that's, that's how we've been doing our work with our team. What I've been trying, you know, see if it works. If it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, you know, try something else. Love it. Awesome. And, I, and I think I could say that, you know, the fact that you've done things that are innovative and, you know, it's, it's a product of having that attitude of, ah, just let's, let's do something and see what happens. I, it's admirable. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be exactly. afraid. Or what would, uh, what, what, what would Michael Bowman say? 
Take the shame out of failure. Take the shame out of failure. Yeah. Classic. Classic, no doubt. You know, um, I saw just real quick on that. I, I, I would what inspired me about that. Do the experiment was Linda Rising. She's a thought leader in the agile world, but she had a a slide that just showed a baby on her belly sitting up and walking. And she goes, "There's no one in here that would yell at their kid for not walking, right? You encourage hmm. the failure, right? You like it's okay. You keep trying. You keep trying. You keep trying." And I think that was, you know, what you just said, take the shame out of failure. A kid feels no shame. They just keep trying and they're excited when they get a little step, you know, and that's all it really takes. And it just, mm. that slide kind of changed my life. I just kind of like, yes, that is how I want to live my life now. It's amazing how little, little things like that can yeah. change your life and your perspective, no question. Oh, absolutely. So what he's saying is, Kent, act more like a baby. Yeah. Done. <laughs> My wife already calls me uh, her five-year-old, so no problem there. Right. That's awesome. Oh, man. All right. Before we let you get out of here, is there anything else we may not have touched on that you want to want to talk about? Well, I, I've got a shameless plug. I'm an instructor mm. for Botus Institute, and we, uh, we do a guided personal Kanban class. Uh, it just started. Uh, we usually do it. We'll probably do. I, I, I'm going to suggest we do a GIS centric version of that. Uh, but and that'll be posted. So just follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter and uh, we'll uh, I'll post those kind of things. But uh, I'm very excited about being, you know, able to share this with a, a larger community. Hey, That's awesome. Co color me intrigued. Before, I'm sorry. What was that? Called? I said color me intrigued. Yeah. Love it. I well, this is going to fit well after a color comment. Um Tim, do you have a 3D printer by chance? No, I don't. Dang it. I was going to say 30 years from pen plotter to 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> I have been thinking this like tagline for like 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, hey, let's work on that. We'll get one. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put one in the budget and see what happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, you got to go back even further. The, uh, the Leroy lettering guide. You know what that is. See? I, I <laughs> outaged you on that one. That's a common thing that happens here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Nick, anything else before we uh, let Tim go? No, I just uh, want to say thank you, Tim, for coming along today. Um, you are an inspiring person in the geospatial community. For all of our listeners out there, uh, I absolutely suggest following Tim, not only on LinkedIn, um, but on Wednesdays. Check out his, uh, the, you said geospatial co co uh, connection, right? On Twitter yeah. space. Twitter space, geospatial connections. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. And Tim, keep it up. And all the things you do with ERISA, we didn't get time to really talk about the mm -hmm. day, but Tim gives back uh, with the ERISA organization, ERISA Texas and the, and the national uh, front. So Tim, keep doing all that you're doing. You're inspiring. And uh, again, thanks for making me feel bad. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. How about you, Sean? Anything else? Uh, no, no, really good stuff. Uh, I really just piggyback on what Nick said. I mean, I, I, I just met Tim, and I'm already inspired. So I really, really <laughs> like the attitude and the energy. Really good stuff. No question. Great conversation. Tim, thanks again for your time. We thank really you. appreciate it. I Thank you for the invite, uh, and I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Adding value, making friends. Tim's a new friend of the program. Hashtag he's a geoholic. He's doing some yeah. job talking. Woo. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at thegeoholics.com. BG's jive talking available everywhere. Until next time, everyone, check out Kanban. Be a knowledge worker. I love that one. Yeah. Do the experiment. 
most importantly, be safe and healthy.